We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Much of the discussion on ESG reverts immediately to the discussion on electric vehicles and electrification. But should it? In recent industry expert analysis, from economists to other industry experts, there is the indication that the market and automotive supply chain are not ready to support the EV projections of 25 or 50% within the near term. Does that mean ESG discussions shouldn't continue? The folks at Butzel don't think so. Their belief is that in the world of ESG, the S stands for social, corporate, and personal responsibility. Governance, compliance, and ethics take up more space in the ESG world than EV does in the environmental focus of the letters ESG. Sustainability is the umbrella that covers all of these, and there's an emphasis in the industry to drive organizational value through implementation of sustainability concepts by practicing within the standards of ESG. Our discussion today will cover ESG beyond the default to EVs and will highlight the importance of understanding ESG standards, trends, and opportunities within the global automotive industry. Mitch Zajac, shareholder at Butzel, is my guest today on this week's episode of Automotive Insiders. Mitch, what a pleasure to have you on Automotive Insiders. Thanks for joining me on the program today. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. Let's talk about ESG. Uh, level set it for us. What is ESG and how is it different and bigger than EVs alone within the automotive industry? Yeah, absolutely. You know, oftentimes when ESG comes up, it, it, it quickly diverts to uh, talking about electric vehicles, electrification, but ESG truly is the framework of actions that are used to create within an organization, uh, within an employee structure, uh, within a customer base, uh, a sense of uh, really living up to a set of standards that, that I like to say focus on the S portion of ESG, which stands for environmental, social, and governance. So from a social responsibility perspective, it's kind of that framework that uh, can be connected between the whole customer base, the employee base, and a company in general. Yeah, S standing for social, uh, it, indeed, and and social, corporate, personal responsibility, governance, compliance, all of those things are within that ESG world. So which terms are most relevant to automotive suppliers? Yeah, in my mind, it can be focused in a few different buckets. Uh, from the assessment perspective, you know, going through the process of, of completing a really a materiality or priority assessment of what those key factors are uh, for a given organization. Um, that materiality assessment really focuses on the non-financial aspects. So things um, throughout the organization, like uh, how the product is affected from a safety perspective or talking about um, the, the potential uh, really impact to the, the operational structure of the, of the company itself and, and how employees may be impacted and how shareholders may be impacted. Uh, and then there's the, the double materiality, which is where finances start to get involved. Shareholders care about finances. Uh, but in the auto industry, you have the supply chain costs. You have uh, risk mitigation that comes into play with uh, in, international trade and, and supply chain disputes and pricing impacts. Um, that that's all part of the assessment phase. Um, on the environmental side, like we said, that that's a, a number one focus for many folks when they think of ESG. But you have the the recycling, the circular circular economy, 
Uh, one of my favorites in is in general the word sustainability because it's it's very complex. It's not just uh, how it ties to environmental, but it also impacts the other areas as well. Uh, and within that, remanufacturing is a really important concept. And, and our friends at MEMA and John Chalifo is leading that sustainability council. He'll be doing a lot of work to tie these three kind of prongs of ESG together uh, in a broader sense than than just the environment. Uh, in, enforcement, you, you hear a lot about greenwashing and uh, kind of the idea of uh, preventing companies from portraying themselves as perhaps better actors uh, than they actually are. You know, we have examples of that in the environmental space with emissions compliance. We have financial issues with different banks around the country and around the world who have misrepresented how good ESG or not ESG they are. And then finally, the standards. You know, we talk about voluntary standards that companies are being asked to follow um, from the Sustainability Accounting and Standards Board, um, which really kind of from an industry to industry uh, basis sets up different criteria for suppliers of auto parts and OEs for, for suppliers of automobiles and, and uh, rental and leasing within the industry as well. So it's a very complex space that has a lot of different buzzwords, but as you break them down, I think it helps guide you through. So who or what shapes ESG within an organization? It, to me, it's really a focus on both internal and external stakeholders. Um, those stakeholders can be the employees on the internal side, as we've talked about. External can be those uh, those folks that are setting the standards, so regulatory bodies or uh, shareholders, perhaps uh, are sometimes considered external. But it's it's understanding from those um, from those different stakeholders what the goals are and what, what they need to, what the company needs to meet and what the individuals within the company need to meet. Um, signing up for corporate uh, commitments to certain levels of, say, uh, carbon impact or things like this can be part of uh, a guiding set uh, for an organization that shapes their ESG kind of approach. And really understanding the priorities and, and what the, the stress testing uh, within that organization will look like um, from the political stress testing, which we won't get into, but to the technology, stress testing and understanding what those different factors are um, kind of a, in a global uh, in global industry like automotive is, uh, understanding how those things will push the organization a certain way are key principles that I think uh, need to be considered. So Mitch, as you look around the industry and you know, Butzel examines what automotive suppliers are doing to adopt ESG policies. What are you seeing and how is it affecting the supply chain? There definitely are some key trends in the industry right now. Uh, we're seeing a significant increase in, in executive and board involvement from the over, overall uh, structure of the organization, understanding what their governance principles are and, and setting audit standards and compliance standards that aren't just on the technology side, but really on the, the functional operation of the, of the uh, industry itself or of the business itself within the industry. And then understanding changes in strategy. You know, we've seen enforcement examples, as we said, um, there's a, there's an understanding from the powers that be within many organizations now uh, that, that say our strategy will be to hit, you know, some sort of carbon requirement. Our strategy will be to hit some sort of potentially just a domestica- domestication of, of supply. Uh, we don't want to deal with these supply chain issues anymore. So we want to bring, uh, manufacturing back. You know, there's those types of things that are certainly ESG uh, related. And then there's uh, certain uh, kind of uh, monitoring industries, Moody's as an example. I think they're they're building out some of their 
uh, analytics arm to truly follow and track and set standards um, that, that perhaps could be examples of, of importance of shared responsibility throughout the industry. Who's setting the rules for ESG when you look around the global automotive industry? You know, it's, it's interesting because the automotive industry is global. We do have to have an understanding of, of the key players. You know, sometimes um, we talk about privacy and data security. We see the EU is leading the way. Uh, that's similar here uh, in, in the uh, European Union. They, they have uh, an organization called the Corporate Sustainability and, and uh, Reporting Commission, um, which is sets forward a directive on how you need to disclose uh, the way that you're treating these ESG topics. The SEC also uh, in here in the States uh, has some strong financial disclosure requirements that that um, really go back to about 2010, talking about climate disclosures and things that companies uh, have to be aware of. So from the, from the uh, legislative perspective, we're seeing those things take shape. And then also we're, we're seeing um, kind of uh, different laws that get put into place that affect not specific in the ESG uh, sense of being labeled in that way, but uh, from the perspective of um, prevention of modern slavery uh, or the the, the Uyghur uh, Forced Labor Prevention Act. These things are impacting the automotive industry because they they set standards on really the operation of the business um, and different supply terms and conditions are going to be affected throughout the chain. Well, as you look down the road, Mitch, what trends do you think are are going to be uh, paramount as companies consider their ESG policies? You know, I think uh, an, an interesting example, not from the auto industry, but from energy uh, related, is we there's some examples of uh, renewable energy suppliers in the in the uh, um, so the solar panel space that talk about um, some regulatory requirements that they have, but there's also reputational requirements and. Uh, as as the consumer becomes more and more interested in um, the story behind how their car was made or, or the, the feel-good aspect of their vehicle, the, that reputational risk, I think, is significant. You know, the Uyghur uh, Forced Labor Prevention Act creates kind of this presumption of, um, uh, of, of essentially uh, bad acting going on in China based on the region. And you have a duty as a person or a company buying products from that part of the world to overcome that presumption and, you know, kind of a guilty until proven innocent approach. And so if a consumer has a concern with that reputational risk, I think that it creates this kind of uh, landslide effect for the companies being able to overcome that um, and really put a pressure on those entities to produce information further and further up the supply chain uh, in order to to show themselves as a good actor in the space. It's interesting. Finally, you know, ESG really does go beyond that default, right, of EVs. And there needs to be an importance in highlighting the the understanding of standards and trends and opportunities in the global automotive industry. We, do you feel that we're that we're making progress there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that because we're having these conversations, that's that's key. First, right, is understanding what the issues are, and then taking steps to to address them. You know, from the compliance aspect, uh, we often uh, talk about having a plan in place from day one uh, in order to address issues of compliance, whether that's um, it could be fuel economy in in the uh, in the OE's uh, responsibility for reporting. It could be some other compliance with terms and conditions that we see, but um, 
knowing that we're going to have to do these reporting aspects, knowing that we're going to have to disclose certain information and, and, and try to perhaps defend against uh, a position we may take as an entity. Uh, I think that this day one approach and having involvement uh, in a plan in place is key uh, to be able to prevent some of the issues that may arise for otherwise not being prepared. Wonderful. Thank you for explaining uh, various facets of this for us, Mitch. Uh, I know uh, you'll be watching it closely and we'll be in touch with you on the subject. Great. Thanks, Jason. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Mitch Zajak, shareholder at Butzel. And thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.